Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent base. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know you're lying, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the program where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters, and with me, as always, is the man who, in his personal tool shed, houses a rambunctious young alien named Mac, Mr. Ryan Siebold. <laughs> What's up, Jason? How's it going, buddy? It's going well. And also worth noting, I have seen the alien. Does kind of look like a cheap knockoff of E.T. Has anyone ever told you this? Have you, have you heard this? Uh, he eats Skittles. Yeah, lots of Skittles. <laughs> I leave trails for it uh, to my back tool shed. Yeah, that's how we, uh, we harness the little bastard. But um, he's doing well. Pay no attention uh, to that situation. We got all that under control. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear whistling, just go on by. But we're not here to discuss Ryan's alien. No, we're here to discuss other aliens uh, of the traditional little green kind in a movie called No One Will Save You that's been getting a lot of buzz on Hulu. Ryan, on Hulu. do you have a description for our audience? I do. In what is perhaps one of the more perplexing uh, movie titles, uh, I know you and I were going back and forth. <laughs> no one will save you. Nobody will help you in this situation. You, you will survive. You're on yeah. your own. Yeah. A woman yeah, locks alone luck. at midnight. No wait. Yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's no one will save you. And Google has no one will save you. That's no one, one will save yes. you. Google has this described as <laughs> Bryn, played by Caitlin Deaver, finds solace within the walls of the home where she grew up until she's awakened one night by strange noises from unearthly intruders. This is from 2023. Like you just said, this just came out. And uh, directed by Brian Duffield, who has done a lot of stuff, some of which you may have heard of, some of which you may have seen. Things like Love and Monsters and Spontaneous. Um, he's made a lot of stuff, but nothing really uh, that has gotten this level of attention. I think this is getting probably the most attention so far. This was made on a budget of $23 million. And it was uh, shot by a guy named Aaron Morton, who we've discussed on this very show. Uh, he shot things like Fede Alvarez's Evil Dead uh, from back in 2013. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, he did some Black Mirror episodes and stuff like that. I thought he did a great job. We're going to have a lot to say about that. Uh, but before we get into it, Jason, I have to ask you, as always, my friend, what did you think about this movie? Ryan, going to be happy to talk about this first. Do want to remind our audience to go ahead and like this video and subscribe to the channel as well as we talk about this movie along the way. If anything comes to you, feel free to leave uh, those ideas in the comments section. We would love to hear what you have to say about any of these moments, any of the things we're talking about and the movie itself. So, Ryan, let me answer your question directly and let you know that I found this movie to be, uh, shall we say, uh, acceptable? Is that okay. a word? Uh, That's this was a this is one of those movies that was indeed a movie, and I did indeed watch it, and it was a thing. <laughs> We've talked about this before, right? Uh, I I I think this film has elements that work. I think it is a pretty ballsy take on the material. I understand why it's getting the attention that it does, but there's also a lot that doesn't work about this film, 
structurally it's it's very unorthodox and and I don't know that it necessarily works we could talk about that a little bit and I think that you know Ryan uh, you're so you're a comedy guy we're both comedy guys I, have you heard the expression a hat on a hat oh I use that all the time hat on a hat <laughs> <laughs> that's that was kind of, if I if when I was really thinking about what didn't work for me for this film I think it was that right I think that I think that that there's like a really just solid traditional sci-fi horror invasion movie here. And I do think that while I appreciate the artistry and the challenge of saying, hey, we're going to have a film that's no dialogue, which which, by the way, did you know going in that this film did not have dialogue? Okay, let's talk about this. I knew nothing about this movie. I had not watched the trailer. I (laughs) barely knew there were aliens in it. I knew that it was kind of a thriller and it was on Hulu and it was getting a lot of buzz. And I said, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, I'm a Stephen I like, King fan. Uh, Caitlin he was Beaver talking about it, so you know, I was like willing to check it out. And then it was also one of those movies. I don't know if you had the same thing, but you know, there's these certain movies where someone brings it up, and you're like, "Oh no, I've never seen that." And then across the next five days, just as many people ask you about it, and yes. you're like, "Okay, well, I guess I need to watch this movie." I, I a week ago, I had never heard of it, but you know, five people just asked me about it back to back. So that was that um, was this both film for me. Barbarian and uh, was it Malignant? I think both of those yeah, uh, were that movie for me. And this kind yeah. of had like similar vibes. Like you could tell, True. yeah, this was a really good straight to video movie <laughs> or a really <laughs> shitty theater movie. But probably <laughs> it lives somewhere in between those realms. I don't know. But I yeah. I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really oh, yeah? good. I, okay. I had a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, a but, lot of people did. So I'm, I'm, I know I'm kind of in the minority here of not super yeah. digging it. I think maybe you and I are going to have different issues with the movie. Because I took issues okay. with it. It's not perfect. Um, but I had a lot of fun. And I was, you know, it... Okay. it, it Built the suspense where it was supposed to. I had anxiety when I was supposed to. Um, it was creepy, and and it was a fun take on an otherwise pretty tired and stale premise, I think. I think that um, also it should have gotten old uh, a lot quicker than it did. Um, mm. It stuck around a little too long in some scenes uh, and kind of dragged a little bit, even in the more intense moments. Like, there were some moments where it's like, you know, run. <laughs> what are we doing there? <laughs> and so, you know, from a realism standpoint or a, you know, a suspension of disbelief standpoint, if you will, I think there were moments that it kind of lost me on that front, uh, maybe, but sure. we'll get into all of that shortly. Um, I think overall, though, as a whole, I had a lot of fun. It also okay. <laughs> was only an hour and a half, which is Ryan's <laughs> sweet spot, baby. Go figure. <laughs> Ryan likes the 90-minute film. Boom! Yeah. We're in Can't imagine why. Hey, we're, we're going places. We're in UFOs. We're all over town. You know, hour and a half, 90 minutes. Not wasting any time here. <laughs> uh, Ryan loves a short, short movie. By the way, worth explaining just for anybody that doesn't know what hat on a hat means, because I realized that like there may be people watching where they're like, maybe you two jerks know, but I have no idea what you just said. So that's the idea that uh, you can sort of have two very well-developed ideas that work individually, and there's enough meat on the bone for them to work individually. But then you sort of outsmart yourself and say, hey, let me stack these two things together And it just becomes a bit much, you know? So it's like, in my opinion, if you've got sort of dialogue-free drama, you know, that's one hat. And you've got sci-fi horror invasion film, that's another hat. Instead of just putting one of them on, 
you decide to stack the other one on top of it, right? So that's where the expression comes from. Whether you agree with that or not, you know, you can obviously let us know in the comment section right now, but that's what we mean when we say that, just to clarify. That's right. As you'll see described here, I am wearing headphones on some headphones. So if this is a good idea and it's acting totally functionally, this is extraneous and totally not necessary. So there's your physical, uh, you know. <laughs> in this yeah. case, Jason, what would my first set of headphones that are functioning be in your in your analogy? Let's go ahead and go through this real quick since we're into the meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's the, same, it's the same thing I just did. One set of functioning headphones is, you know, wordless drama. Okay. And had, you know, the, drama. the stuff with her and that worked sister and the parents and stuff. And not necessarily. No, actually, it didn't. But oh, it's because okay. it's because, again, it's on top of this other hat over here, which is sci-fi horror invasion film. And I okay. think that if you had given me one or the other, it would have oh, worked better than the two of them coming together. Right. Like, I do think there was the DNA for a strong, very silent sort of family drama. I think there was also the DNA for a solid sci-fi horror invasion film. But in my opinion, it's like it's like fusion food, right? Sometimes it works for people and sometimes it doesn't. And in my opinion, sure. you know, there's ingredients that didn't necessarily jive together. And so let's go ahead and get into. So this was not a Mexican this, pizza though. where you get like <laughs> no. the best of the Mexican, but then also the pizza, you know, like correct. Yeah. No, this was like uh, this was like uh, uh, an M M&M and M cheeseburger. Like, oh no, I don't, I don't want that at all. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but let's start with the obvious conceit. So, so obviously, like I said, there's no dialogue throughout the film. I think I would imagine by now, with the film being as widely watched as it is, that's been discussed, and, and it's probably a known entity at this point. It's out there. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, but I'll just, before I even discuss my issues, just let me say, did did that aspect of it work for you, and uh, why? Yes, it did work okay. for me. Um, and mostly because the aliens, they have their own language, so they are communicating in a way with each other, and so you get that um, attachment of, like, them kind of, you know, communicating with each other. But then with Caitlin Deaver's character... Um, a, she is totally isolated. And so she doesn't have anyone to really talk with anyways, unless she's talking yeah. with herself. Um, I think that it's kind of, it's a little ham fisted. I'm going, I'm not going to say this is like the best decision ever, but I don't think it's broken. I don't think it wrecks the movie. I'm not, I'm not in this discussion with you to say, oh, it was so cool how nobody fucking talked for nine minutes. But I will say that it didn't take me out of it because she doesn't, okay. she's by herself. She's all alone. The movie title itself, I mean, in its theme overarching is no one will save you. So it's a total, uh, you know, motif of self-reliance. Um, and sure. so, you know, unless she's going to like swear to herself or be like, are you kidding me? Or something like that. And kind of like scream at the sky or, you know, hell no. Um, I think that's, um, you know, she's by herself the whole time. And so yeah. um, I, she's also, you know, it really plays with the themes of anxiety and loneliness and depression um, as she's going through it with uh, the grief of her lost friend uh, that she whoops accidentally grabbed a rock and murdered um you know that, that if alert. i had any problems with yeah, if well, I had, okay. oh yeah oh yeah Let, let's go in, let, let's get into this sorry my bad <laughs> <laughs> let me go ahead let me go ahead also and correct you because this is one of the things this is one of the the, the issues that i think stems from a film like this where you're going to do this that's not okay. her friend it's, it's not her friend it's her sister no no it's her friend it's no her no, no it's her sister I, I thought it was her sister, and that's the entire reason that, like, the parents are, like, 
upset with her because that's like, her she parents. Because when she was writing the letter, it says, "I saw your parents today." Blah blah blah, and oh, okay. they have shunned her. Her best friends. And yeah, I, think I, I remember that. Picture, I thought those were her like own parents, and I was like, "Wow, they're being no. really cool to their own daughter." But that actually does make like more sense that they would spit yeah. in her face. I was like, "Jesus, right. what was so, this girl like beforehand?" <laughs> it shows her mom. Her so first off, remember she goes to her mom's gravesite in the very beginning and like leans against her. Tombstone. I thought that was her sister's grave. See, and that's the thing. I first when I first saw it, I was like, "Oh, it's her mom's <laughs> gravesite." But then there's right. like literally a scene just after that where she's at. She's again sitting at a grave. And with more information, I saw that the grave was her sister. And so right. I said, oh, I must have overlooked that the first time around because, like, I didn't so, have enough information and just assumed again, it was the mom because, you know, films right. do that, right? And so I have in my notes right here, I have no clue what is happening. And so that, <laughs> by, by and large, is one of my big problems with the film. I know it's yeah. meant to be disorienting. I know that they give, like, uh, they're just dribbling out the info for a payoff at the end. I don't think mm -hmm. the payoff warrants that. I think if they would have just let you know, hey, this girl killed her best friend. She's going through some grief. Um, but it's dribbling out these bits of info, by the way, with no dialogue. So you, it's, you just have yeah. to pick it up visually as you're going along these little visual cues and case in point, here we are. And you're like still sussing it together as we're having this film discussion on camera. And, um, you know, you still haven't quite gotten there. So, uh, mm. I don't fault you for that at all. I think that that in, therein lies the flaws of no dialogue because you have no sure. exposition yeah. dumps other than visual. And so you're left to kind of pick up these pieces as she's miming her way through it. Um, but yes, she leans against her mother's gravestone in the beginning. That's her mom. They show her okay. in flashbacks, putting together the little town uh, with those miniature houses and stuff. That's why she still collects those uh, mm -hmm. in the beginning, like the little Etsy houses or whatever you want to call them. And, um, but then she killed, uh, so her mom passed away and then she kills her best friend of the rock um, on accident in like a play fight, which, you know, Hey, kids will be kids. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, her, her best friend's parents, her dad is like the police chief. Uh, and then the mom, you know, we see later spitting on her in the, uh, in, in the police station and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, that's all, you know, her grief that she's dealing with. She's lost the, sure. old, she, she's obviously, um, uh, dealing with anxiety and depression and, and grief and all of these things and, and has become a recluse. She's also being shunned by the town she lives in, which she should probably move, but here she is in her <laughs> mother's old house, uh, that she resides in that I'm sure, sure she inherited, uh, outside of town. And, um, yeah, she's just a recluse on the run that gets a little visit by some aliens. Yeah, definitely. Can I also ask you before we continue, how old is this girl? Because, <laughs> like, I, so, I, I thought she was, like, 17 for, until she, like, bust out a bottle of wine. And then I'm like, yeah. is she underage drinking or is she, like, 22? <laughs> I think, I think. I know Caitlin Deaver just is one of those people that looks very young. That's why they she cast does. her in Booksmart, which we looked at right. earlier. Uh, so they could, you know, she was an adult, able to do some things on film that she wouldn't have been able to and still look very young. But like, she's I think 26, she's supposed to I be think, in her, real life. So I, I would give this 22, 23 20s. in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So that was kind of. But yeah. And so there are also things about it where it's like so. And by the way, I would be willing to discuss that final moment with you because it didn't really seem to me like it was a play real quick, fight. real quick disclaimer for everybody. We're going to spoil the crap out of this movie. We've we already give spoiled a disclaimer. This disclaimer is like three minutes to five I'll minutes. It's way in. too late, bro. I'm going to splice it in. We'll, <laughs> we'll like, boop. We're going to let it just like. With the magic of AI. Yeah, we're going to cut it in. 
Cut, edit, uh, and <laughs> go. Disclaimer, uh, we're yeah, going to spoil so, the crap out of this movie, so beware <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie or go see it and then come back. There you go. Yeah, go because, ahead, I do, be, because I do think it colors the experience overall. You know, I think that, that, again, part of it is understanding all of like what's going on. But also the way that I saw the ending is I think that I feel like uh, the Caitlyn Deaver character, which again, you'd be forgiven for not knowing her name is Bryn because nobody ever says it in the entire film. So yep. we can also just get that out of the way, but uh, I had to look that up uh, a lot of the stuff. So, but um, yeah, uh, I thought that it was an instance where she sort of like pushed her down. I think they got in like a fight and she just overreacted where she was pushed down and then it wasn't like a play fight. I think it was like, she just, you know, had a, an emotional real moment, grabbed a rock, chucked it at her kind of one of those things, you know, where you, you know, you push someone off a bridge or you stab them with a knife and it's like, Oh shit. What are those things? I got caught up in the moment. Right. Just one of those things before. Right. Happens all the time. I call it Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Blade slipped, fell into, fell fell into the guy's abdomen. I mean, it's not my fault. What do you if want? If I had a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Now, here's the other thing, too, is because there's no dialogue, the film is forced to, I think, drag out what's there. Like, there's a lot of moments where it's like, we we really don't need an additional 10 seconds of her walking around here. Like, we don't need to see the entire couch move from, like, one position to the other. But you get the sense they're like, ah, we're a little short on time, so we got to draw some of these things out. Yes. And so some of that uh, kind of worked against it. And also, so, like, <laughs> I was trying to think of how to put this, but, like, you know how, like, in, in Tom Cruise movies... The criticism is like Tom Cruise is always running from one place to another, right? Okay. This this, this is like Caitlin Deaver is the Tom Cruise of walking. I feel like this entire movie is she walks from one area to another. She walks upstairs. She walks downstairs. She walks to the post office. She walks back. She walks to the <laughs> bus. She walks back home. She yep. leaves to her friend's house. She walks back home. Like the, the, like half, like over half this movie is just her walking places because it's like, well, we can't have him talk and uh, we can't have her stand there. So uh, another journey, another small hike. Yeah. Right. And then again, like that's where that's where I feel like the conceit of like. So just to contrast real quick. Right. Like I I forget if you ended up watching it, but I know I did a review for the audio podcast some time ago on the show Primal that you actually recommended to me. Did you ever go back and watch that? I did. Yeah. So like that's an example where there's virtually no dialogue in the entire thing, except for the final episode slightly. And. All of that worked for me, dude. Like that was, that is to date still one of the most emotional series that I have ever experienced without them uttering a single word. Right. Yes. So I know this can be done well and perhaps I'm colored by that experience. But as I watch this, I don't get that same stuff, you know, like I don't. And part of it is Caitlin Deaver is I think, you know, let's talk about performances, which is really it's the Caitlin Deaver show. She's asked to carry right. 87 minutes of screen time in an 89 minute film, right? Like she does so, not have an empathetic that's... T-Rex if that's what you're saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's just that's a that's a tough thing to 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 have her do. It is. Without I think know, she did a great job considering the burden she was bearing here. I think I I mean yeah, I mean she she was up to the challenge and she took it on, but at the same time like I wouldn't say it was a great performance. I would say it was serviceable. And that's kind of my, I felt like that was my experience with this whole film as I kept oh, waiting. Oh, see, I thought it was a great performance. I really, I, I really yeah. do, genuinely. Yes. Okay, God. that's good. I didn't, uh, I, you know, I thought that a lot of it felt 
Uh, I know this is kind of can be something of a tired uh, criticism sometimes, but, you know, it's like where just the whole thing kind of feels like a performance a little bit, you know. Um, yes. And I think part of that, as I was breaking it down, is there are many character incongruences that I think end up not working for her. So, like, for example, if somebody's going to be that um, agoraphobic or or people averse to the point where they're going to have a panic attack delivering a mailbox like I don't think that person actually goes through and like tries to wave at people for example right like I would have liked to have seen more consistency where she practices the waving and the smiling and then like that person in real life when that moment comes like they don't go through with it right like they try but they fail and they move on and there was just like and then the whole thing with the uh the dance that she does at the beginning like that really felt like that was not an organic character anything uh it just it felt like something they were the screenwriter reverse engineered like oh i want to have this final scene where everyone is dancing so at the beginning i'm gonna have her do this random old school dance and so mm-hmm. I, I, you know none of because of the lack of motivation for these things it felt like the uh i know i've brought this up before on the podcast but it was our old screenwriting uh teacher Bennett uh Ryan and I went to film school together for anyone watching that doesn't know that's how we met and so he he told us that one of his least favorite aspects of the movie's Monsters Ball which had gotten a ton of uh, attention at the time uh was the plastic spoon that Billy Bob Thornton's character brings with him and it's because instead of being organic to like Jack Nicholson's character it was just something that the writer put in there ham-fistedly as we like to say because it's like oh I'm gonna you know be deep and and have this guy carry a plastic spoon and it's like no if you don't relate it to anything else then it's like a douchey move because you're just putting things in there indiscriminately without having them relate to anything larger right and so that's how i felt about the dance sequence even though you can say it creates an organic bookend stylistically thematically it means nothing if if, if it does and i missed something you can let me know right now i obviously missed other things in this film but i don't remember dance like even just simply like oh there that was the dance that her and her best friend did all the time together right like would get sure. some sort of something behind it but i didn't catch that if that was there so it's my understanding that okay so first off i think that all of this gets lost in the no dialogue thing because again none of this yeah, gets exactly. explained yeah um but it's my takeaway and some of this i've derived from watching interviews with the director and doing some research behind the scenes but it's my understanding that she is hiding away and being agoraphobic and all of the anxiety that she has held is because she is shunned by this town because she has killed her friend got off pretty much scot-free with no jail time um mm. and so that's why when she goes into town, everybody's like looking at her with disgust. She gets spit okay. on by the mom. And so she is craving acceptance. And so when she does the dance in the beginning, that's her trying to have fun by herself. She has now been shunned by this town and pushed to the outskirts and is left to her own devices, uh, maybe going a, a little nutty. She's writing letters to her best friend. She's lonely. Um, and mm-hmm. so she's trying to find comfort in letters to her dead best friend, dancing with herself, anything she could do to try to feel like a part of society, even though she is removed from it. So mm. um, it's not that she is timid and mousy. She is literally have has been expelled from society um, for the mm. sins that she has done. So um, that that's kind of my takeaway on that. Going uh, another layer, um, I will say that Brian Duffield has gone on the record to say that he did not set out to make a movie with no dialogue. This wasn't some weird social experiment or cinematic experiment. Um, he was literally mm. writing the movie, and because she's out in the you know, in the hills or whatever, all by herself, she just got to the. He got to a certain point 
um, where she gets to town uh, and she hasn't talked yet. There is no dialogue. And he felt like it would have felt really weird if you would have gone through literally half the film, including an alien invasion. And then all of a sudden everybody started talking out of nowhere. It felt really out of place. And so he said he just mm-hmm. kind of went with it and said, you know, he re- really leaned heavily on Deaver's performance. And he felt like the whole thing was just a cat and mouse game with these aliens um, and trying to run away and hide and attack and all of that. You can't communicate with the aliens. Um, it would have been nice to have her scream a little bit or, you know, fuck you or something like that. You know, get away from her, you bitch. You know, one of those type Ripley moments. <laughs> I did think that it, this was kind of like a poor man's alien in that way. Um, you know, where you had Ripley hiding around the ship and, you know, the, the alien stalking her and stuff like that. Thought it was mm-hmm. a very weird choice to show the aliens as much as they did. Uh, and as early as they did, like they, right. they did not draw that reveal at all. It's like 10 minutes and they're like, hey, here you go, guys. I was like, wow, that is really early. So just, you know, kind of put a button on that. He didn't set out to make a silent film. It just kind of came out that way because of the nature sure. of her loneliness and isolation. And then also, but then, you know, that doesn't, that does come with its own encumbrances and flaws and, and challenges. And and I think we're, yeah. we're discussing some of those here right now. But also I think that um, it's it just to, to clear up, you know, I think that she's totally capable as a person. She's just been shunned from society and isolated for so long that she's become super sure. introverted and doesn't want okay. to be. So the dance by herself is an extension of all of that. And then at the very end, it's it's the the other bookend of that where she finally, after all this time, now has people she can be with, except yeah. her for who she is. It's more about the people who are with participating with her. She gets that connection, that. even though it's the end of the world and she's connecting with these crazy aliens. So, you know, it's kind yeah. of the uh, Twilight Zone play, you know, poor man's Jordan Peele payoff. And I really dug the payoff, actually. I really liked I, the end. I, I, I did like that too. I like I, anytime a film is willing to take a chance and give you the unhappy ending. And especially yeah. I think, you know, it's a like what like when an ending is done the way this is. And and again, I'll, there are certain things that I'll give it credit for. Like I didn't hate, hate this movie. I just didn't like it nearly as much as anyone else. But one of the things that I love that it does is every now and then filmmakers find a way to sort of give you a happy and unhappy ending at the same time, right? And not every story necessarily lends itself to that either. But when you're sort of in these like metaphysical realms, you can do certain things that other genres don't allow you to do. So you Mm -hmm. can do something like this where you have, you know, it ends on a down note. Like the the subtext behind what we're watching is that she becomes absorbed or uh, indoctrinated or whatever the correct word is as part of this alien species, the same as everyone else. But in doing that, she is then she is now part of this hive mind. Right. And so she's uh, part of something larger than herself and interacting with people. So, you know, you get you get both ends. And I do appreciate that about this. And I will say that there were a lot of the no dialogue sequences that worked the house invasion scene at the top, which I thought was going to go on for much longer, just because the only thing I had heard about it is there was some home invasion elements. So I thought that, oh, okay, you know, maybe this is going to be like we're going to spend the whole movie in the house. We we don't. That's what I thought. But yeah, because it's introduced so early, I thought it was just going to be that. But then, you know, it's over about five or ten minutes later. But that whole sequence was done really well with the way that. We just see the shadow of the alien mm-hmm. when it first comes and the sound design and you hear it sort of running across and you see the silhouette running across the windows as she's watching from the top of the staircase and then it runs back very quickly. And just the way all of that was handled was great. But then also, again, these inconsistencies that pop up, the nature of the aliens 
which comes to light later because ultimately they're trying to make her part of it. But it's like, you know, at first it seems like they're there to attack her, but then they're not. And then, you know, they have these mental powers, so, like, they can pretty much stop her from doing whatever. So right. if they have these mental powers, how does she kill three of them? Right. When they've already, like, I was wondering that too. thrown yeah, all the right. knives with their mind and stuff like that. So I get, like, if just, th- these are small decisions, but they really add up. It's like, they I'm do. not going to say it's, like, death by a thousand cuts, but it's, like, it's less than it could be by, you know, several dozen cuts or something. And... And it's unfortunate because uh, I do think and, and let's also, you know, I don't think we really touched on the camera work here as well, because I was really surprised to know that it was done by Aaron Morton. We've talked about him with regards to shooting Evil Dead. He did a project American Gods, which I thought was fantastic. One of the most yeah. beautiful pilots that right. I've ever seen in my life. And I was kind of disappointed in the camera work. Now, I know that you did a little bit more research on this topic and found that I guess this was shot during covid there were a number of instances where people were having to come off set. I believe you said the cameraman got COVID himself. And so there was like a certain. Morton got COVID. You know, yeah, probably, day zero. Like walking yeah. into set, like they were getting ready to <laughs> shoot tomorrow. And he was like, oh, by the way. So they had to, on the fly, uh, figure out how to isolate him. Um, and they put him in a sprinter van. And he was like directing by monitor and walkie talkie, uh, you know, on set and had. Um, you know, his his second unit and his AC and stuff like that do a lot of the camera work. So um, the exteriors were shot in uh, Slidell, uh, Louisiana, right outside of New Orleans. And then the interiors, because of the nature of all the crane shots and stuff like that, um, a lot of great crane work uh, and jib shots and steady cam work. Um, if you pay attention, there's a buttload of motion. Um, that camera is moving around the house constantly. You know, when you're saying, you know, she's walking here and walking there, that camera is following her. And there's a lot of really cool uh, cinematography. And then the way they interacted and played with the lighting and had, because um, they had all these um, uh, cranes with just lights on them that they were flying around the house set uh, to yeah. mimic all of the lighting that was coming from the flying saucers and the alien creatures is, uh, to kind of build up some of that anxiety and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah it was uh, a bit of a, a ballet or a dance, if you will, between the camera and the lighting, uh, cause the lighting was moving as well. And then they would use anamorphic lenses, which create that blue lens flare, um, that sure. we know from all the JJ Abrams movies. Um, and that was also to signify danger. Um, you, that's how I immediately could tell, when that um, little briny creature uh, crawled in her mouth and then all of a sudden she was instantly taken to paradise and everything was fun and she was having a good time. But the, the blue anamorphic lens flares kept showing up and I was like, uh-oh, that, she's, yeah. she's in it. Like that thing took her brain over because uh, we're still in alien land. Um, let me ask you real quick, because well, you know, before we go too long and, and turn this into a full length hour and a half episode, um, did the alien creatures work for you being the greys? Or would you have rathered something more xenomorphic or something more original, uh, like The Mist or something like that? Um, were you cool with it just being some gray-ass 1980s-style aliens? <laughs> I mean, I didn't know it was 80s. It's more like 1950s-style aliens, okay. right? Like, sure. You got some, like, Mars attacks, like, rah, 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 kind of things going on, right? <laughs> um, but you know what? I did, because I do kind of appreciate old-school sci-fi, and I kind of dig. You know what? I don't know me if you too. played the game. I don't know if you've ever played, like, the XCOM games, but it reminded me a lot of the aliens from the XCOM games, which, again, okay. just little green or little gray men, right? 
And I think, again, that's cool. I didn't have a problem with that. Like, you could argue it's perhaps a little unimaginative, but so were vampires or werewolves or anything else. And this is just another one of those pre-established creatures. And like, look, some of these work, which is why they stick around, you know, and I think sure. little green men work. And so, no, I didn't have a problem with that. I, I, I dig flying saucers. I like I loved the tractor beams. I loved all of the stuff that they did with that. You know, I'm a sucker for colored lights and being able to flash those around close encounters style. Like, yeah, all that stuff was cool for me. But then so but it's like you could tell that that's what they were digging, too, because then again, to my point <laughs> earlier, I don't know if this was like because, you know, the dude was sick. And so other people were filling in. But like when they would go back to like the exteriors during the day when she was just walking around, like everything was so drab and so just like monotone and even just the way that like she shot, you know, because she's a very attractive young woman, but they I feel like they didn't do her any favors. It felt like they were like, oh, you know, we want to go natural lighting. And again, it was almost that thing like of that steadfast um, commitment to doing natural lighting. Like I thought that if they could have augmented it with, you know, I like I feel like I literally feel like some shots they didn't even bother like taking a, a bounce board out, you know, to balance sure. it out. They're just like, ah, it's fine. And so. And that brings me to another point real quick, by the way, too, which is like what this film is one of the films in recent memory I can think of where it's like when it was working, it was fine. But like the moment it would stop, I would be like, ah, I'm bored. Like, like it was weird. There was like no like, oh, I'm going to carry this excitement from this scene over a few minutes. Okay. It was just like the moment like the scene would turn off, I would be like instantly bored again. And then like some aliens would show up and I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm kind of into this again. And then the minute they would shut off and be like, and I'm back to not caring about the film, which I would have to mean, it means that like I didn't, I would have to think that means I didn't really respond to her character and her plight and all of that stuff. And again, this well, goes especially back for to, it being a 90 minute film, like I would expect yeah. that from like a two and a half hour version of this. So this is my take on this film. I think this film would have been a great one hour episode of like Black Mirror or Twilight Zone by Jordan yeah, Peele or something sure. like that. I think that if you would have just trimmed out a lot of the um, backstory uh, and tried to sum, sum up that backstory somehow and like put a bow on that a little quicker instead of like starting out with so much like, you know, I miss you writing the letter. There was like so much that stretched it out to an hour and a half that I think you could have condensed that just gotten to sad lonely girl gets visited by aliens fights back and then also the the amount of aliens that keep coming back one of the challenges brian duffield expressed uh is that uh, i guess it was really hard to keep her from and it seems like that you know you kind of felt this way uh you're, you're saying this in other words is that um they had a hard time from keeping uh, her Bryn character from feeling like a rag doll. Like they were just, we're going to beat up on her here and then fling her over there yeah. and beat up on her over here and not let her really letting her do anything. Um, he said that for this to be a successful movie to him, um, her character, he wanted her character to be able to, if you removed the aliens, you could have seen that side of the plot through in like an A24 drama. Um, you could have put her character in another situation and still had it be interesting. And I, it sounds like you're saying on that level it failed. But on the alien level, it was successful when she was like running around doing alien stuff. But with the exception of some of the repetition or the godlike powers the aliens had that were inconsistent, um, I did feel like 
I agreed with you. I think that maybe the the end boss alien could have had maybe some of those powers, and then maybe she built up to that video game style. Um, you know, but it maybe. seems like they all had that, you know, flick of the finger and shit, they could move shit and, you know, they were busting down the couch. It did, uh, address that they were formidable foes from Git, which helps the anxiety factor for me. Like I was sure. getting heart palpitations from the moment those aliens were coming through. Cause they were like boss battle from day one. Like they were just like flinging doors open, moving their fingers. Shit was moving in the house, busting walls, throwing her through walls. Um, but then if they, but then like they would stop doing that and then she would have plenty of time to throw like a trophy through their head. So yeah. it's like, I, you know, to your point, it did seem a little inconsistent on their powers, but, um, yeah, overall I, I did like this. It's not perfect. I do think it would have been better as like an hour and a half. I've kind of felt the same way about 10 Cloverfield lane. I really love that movie too. I, I really enjoyed that, but I, I do think that, the ending is the cool payoff and all the anxiety stuff in the bunker is cool. But I think that went on just a tad bit too long as well. It maybe would have played better as like an hour long sci-fi episode on one of these uh, series. Yeah, maybe. And I will say for what it's worth, I did want to like this movie. I liked the conceit of it. You know, I sure. appreciate films that are artsy. I like sci-fi horror films. And honestly, the guy, Brian Duffield seems like a pretty cool guy. Like seems like a dope People guy. People seem to, to love him. Yeah. You know, go he, grab a beer with. Uh, I just got, feel like uh, after my review, he's not going to want to grab a beer with me. Maybe, but hey. <laughs> I'll have a beer with you, Brian. Be right. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, Duffy. Uh, oh, you'll have a beer with him. You'll leave me on the corner. I thought you were saying you'd have a beer with me, but no. You and Brian go off and have a fine time. Yeah. Without yeah, B-Dog. What's up, B-Dog? Let's go have some beers. Um, uh, real quick, uh, just a couple last bit of little nuggets of info I was able to gather along the way. Uh, it's worth noting that old B-Dog is very well received in the indie film community. And uh, he was able to get the sound design team from the Batman uh, to come in. I thought the nice. sound design ripped. I thought that helped a lot in a movie with no dialogue. You have to imagine that the music... Uh, and the sound design uh, is very important uh, to build the tension, uh, release that tension and build it back up again. Um, they kind of had their hands full. So, uh, yeah, he got the award winning uh, sound design team from the Batman. And then he uh, got Joe Trapanese, if I'm saying his name right, uh, who did the score to Tron Legacy with Daft Punk and Oblivion, mm. among other movies. So um, uh, because they're, I guess, homies from way back. Um, Joe agreed to score this film in advance. So with there being no oh, wow. dialogue, it was able to give uh, Miss Deaver a, an opportunity for the, uh, to get the feel for the tone and the vibes of what this movie was supposed to be. Um, so he you know, laid down a bunch of sample tracks uh, that were used in the film, and then he kind of built them out and fleshed them out from there. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, in a movie without any dialogue, um, I thought that it was very successful from an audio standpoint. Um, and there was a lot of stuff happening in the surround sound speakers behind you and stuff like that. Uh, it was very creepy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Nice. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this review here before we do just want to remind you, our audience to go ahead and like this video, subscribe to our channel, and then let us know what you thought about the film or any aspect of our review. Drop it in the comments below. We would love to hear from you guys. Uh, so, yeah, we finish up all of our reviews with a little feature called three adjectives. Just like it sounds, we just give our three adjectives that uh, that basically summarize how we felt about the film. For mine, I'm not going to go into any detail. They speak for themselves, but I'm going to go with plotting. Just, I guess, I'll go into a little detail and say that I found the film just generally plotting as well as the main character's journey a little bit plotting. 
inconsistent for a lot of the reasons that I discussed over the course of the film. Some stuff to like, some stuff not to. And very simply, meh. I know you loved it, but for me, it was a meh kind of film. And and that's, you know, no disrespect to anyone involved. It does feel like everybody tried their hearts out. Um, just not everything worked for me because of that hat on a hat thing that I was talking about. So what you got, buddy? Uh, I'm going with anxiety. Uh, I thought it worked very well in those moments. Built tension pretty good. Um, I would agree with you. Some of the backstory stuff uh, seemed a little extraneous or didn't really work or was just downright confusing. Uh, until you get to the very end, which is a shitty way to go through a movie, um, scratching your head, wondering what is going on until this, you know, final resolve. And you're like, oh, OK. <laughs> uh, the next one is balling on a budget, because I thought for as small as a film as this is, I thought it did really well with the alien work and the camera work and all the things uh, had some, you know, pretty good cheats with the visual effects, you know, with the lighting going around the house and stuff. I thought they found some really cool. Uh, outside ways, even though they did show you the aliens, I thought even when they weren't on screen, uh, there were moments that really felt tense without showing you. So balling on a budget. And then my last one is the big payback to quote James Brown, uh, because I, I love the ending. Uh, I thought that was such a cool moment. Um, and then when she comes all the way up the camera in a little dance and then smiles and waves at the audience, I thought that was really fun. So the big payback anxiety and balling on a budget, Jason, what are we scoring this bitch? <laughs> well, I do, I do, I do generally like to go out on a high note, so I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way. If I'm being honest, this is a two and three quarter star movie for me. Damn. Uh, again, for all the reasons that I, I outlined. And it's a movie, it reminded me in many ways of another Hulu movie that I watched a year or two ago that was a similar exclusive called Come True. And in that film, I had a similar response where it's like, I really like what this film's about. I like the aesthetic. I like the general vibe. These pieces and this particular stew didn't work for me, but I would absolutely okay. come back to this restaurant and try something else you made in the future, <laughs> right? I do feel like there's like a lot of a lot of what was there. I've said this before, right? It's like, you know how there's those certain bands where, you know, you like these six bands and everyone in the world who likes these six bands likes the seventh band, except for you, you don't like the seventh band and nobody else can figure out why you don't like the seventh band. And you're like, sure. I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, I love all of this music. I just don't love this one version of it. Kind of how I felt about this film. But uh, what fair. about you, buddy? Let's go ahead. Dude, and I am giving this movie four stars. Wow. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a lot and of fun. That's about where I fought. Yeah. That's totally I had a lot fair, of fun. Given everything that it's not perfect. About, so. And it, it seems like flaws. a lot of, yeah. I understand I'm in the minority. It sounds like a lot of people will agree with you over me uh, very quickly. So, you know, but the, that, I mean, that's that's it's what's fun awesome wrong. about film, right? Is you get yeah. to watch it and decide for yourself. So I you do know, think real watching, quick, just to, yeah. to wrap this up, I think that maybe I'm excusing a little bit of this because of its genre. I think that sometimes okay, when you watch sci-fi or horror you, you know, maybe this is not a movie and we've had these come up many times on this show that it's like, sure, maybe yeah. this doesn't lend itself well to be picked apart in a film discussion podcast. Maybe yeah. um, it's better just watch and enjoyed with some popcorn and say, well, that was fun. And then you go about your night and that's the end of that. Um, you don't need to talk about it and pick it apart because it falls apart very quickly when you do. Um, so yeah. when you're taking notes on Friday the 13th, eight, uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, whoa, 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 he's in New York now. How do you get to New York? What does he drive a car? Would he take a plane? What bus? What's up? Uh, you know, you know, yeah. you just got to overlook some of these things and just go along. I think that this yeah. is one of those films. So I had fun. But by sure. the way, also a really uh, strong illustration that we're seeing firsthand of why there can so often be a discord between critical and audience responses to films, right? 
So sure. often he'll audience say, ah, those critics don't know anything. It was a great time. But yeah, it's because you weren't sitting there with a pen and paper and you didn't have to dissect the film and talk about it for however much time <laughs> afterwards, right? Because if you right. did, you would have a totally different experience because you realize like, I have nothing to talk about here. There must not be too much here, right? So yeah, but uh, you know, for everyone watching, obviously the two of us disagree. We'd love to know what you guys thought, right? I, I think most of you will be on team Ryan. Maybe a couple of you out there will be team Jason. Ah, I could use a little love from what I understand, but uh, get in those comments, either way, baby. Either way, uh, as Ryan likes to say, 90 minutes in and out, baby. In not too out. much of your easy. time. Easy, so easy. go ahead and check it out. It's on Hulu right now. And also be sure to visit esotericacinema.com for some additional content out there. For Esoterica Cinema, I am Jason Peters. He is Ryan Siebold. We are asking you to enjoy the movies.